Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good morning to you. That's not a bad weather forecast. Get out and enjoy a bit of sunshine if you can uh, today. Uh, we welcome you along to Monday's edition of the programme. John Paul is on a well-deserved week off. So Bernie is sitting in for the week, taking your calls at 1850-333-103. You can text or WhatsApp the programme as well today at 0862-103-103. And already I can see a couple of texts and WhatsApps coming in with regard to the Sky Crime uh, series that started yesterday on Sophie Tuscon de Plantier. This is the Jim Sheridan true crime series. He's called it Murder at the Cottage, the search for justice for Sophie. And we were expecting this series to start a number of weeks ago. And I remember at the time we got on to Sky as to why it had been delayed. And we were told that there was some scheduling issues and that they would let us know the new date. And true to their words, they did let us know that it was going to uh, be broadcast uh, yesterday. But I think what we've subsequently found out, and I don't know for sure, but I'm assuming this is something to do with the reason that there was uh, a delay and it is to do with the family of Sophie Tuscon de Plantier. They have requested that their contributions to the documentary be removed and obviously Sky complied uh, with that. Even though if you did... Um, sit down and watched it. You would have seen George and Margarita, Sophie's parents, last night, but it seems they had been interviewed on camera by Jim Sheridan. They agreed to do that, but they say that they agreed to do it because they believe that Jim Sheridan was making a series about justice being done for uh, Sophie. And uh, they say when they started to see the footage, they weren't happy with it and they felt uh, watching it that the Ian Bailey and his former partner Jules uh, Thomas he says the family feel that they are portrayed as victims of conspiracy and for that reason they didn't want to have anything to do with the series so instead so when I went to watch it last night I was aware that this has happened so I thought that we wouldn't see any of Sophie's family Uh, and part of the first episode I think was you saw an interview with Sophie's parents and you couldn't help but be utterly heartbroken for this elderly couple talking about the death and brutal murder of their 
beautiful, beautiful daughter. I mean, it really was shocking. But it seems that that particular footage that we are seeing it has been taken from other archive footage and other sources that was available to Jim Sheridan and uh, to uh, Sky. So it's un- it's unfortunate that we won't get to hear what they had to say to uh, Jim Sheridan at the time. But the one thing that when I watched it uh, last night, very little of what was spoken about I think I hadn't known about or I hadn't heard about or we hadn't reported on here on the programme uh, over the years except I didn't realise that Sophie's parents and her aunt I don't know if her son was there as well that they were forced to stay in a hotel in Cork for those few days over Christmas and all they wanted to do was to go to her home and was to go to you now God help them when they did go to see her her body and I thought that was particularly cruel on them they were you know here they were in another country where they didn't speak the language and they knew that their daughter had been brutally murdered and they just wanted to be around her things I thought I really and I know you know the Gardaí at the time uh, were trying to do their best to put the investigation in place but I really felt uh, for them but the, the tone certainly if you have watched it and I'm interested in, in your views the, the tone certainly of the first two episodes that I watched is just one of complete and utter sadness for a, a life that was just so viciously uh, cut short and it also very much depicts the other lives that were absolutely destroyed because of what happened on that night um, in December in 1996. And other lives have been destroyed. And, you know, in particular, Ian Bailey and his now former partner, Jules Thomas, that already very much came out and that was just in the first uh, two episodes. Now, it... I was of the belief that all episodes would be available yesterday. So I had sort of worked my day around having this five hours to sit down and uh, watch it. But I was only able to see two episodes, which I downloaded overnight. So they were available to me yesterday morning. I know they were broadcast last night at nine and at 10 o'clock. It does say it's all episodes are available on demand, but I think it's only available on Now TV. If anyone can, and John Paul, who would be in the man in the know, this is dear today to be able to explain to me exactly what is going on. So do I assume that I and others who just watched the first two episodes last night will wait and get the next um, three episodes over the next three Sundays? I'm I'm assuming that that's uh, what we're going to have to do. Stunningly, I mean, we, You've got to remember it's in the hands of Jim Sheridan. I mean, this is an an Oscar nominated director. This is the man who is responsible for things like My Left Foot uh, in the name of the father in America, you know, and many, many more. And he says in the opening of the very first episode uh, last night that it, it is it's a story that he's been obsessed with since uh, 1996. So you can very much see he puts his personal stamp on it. I mean, a lot of this movie drama doc whatever you would call it drama documentary is has him very much featured on camera in it and he's very knowledgeable uh, about it as well but it's it's really even though we know the story fully it is just one of those stories that really is so so uh, gripping somebody is saying Dean Goleen is saying the Sophie series is limited on Netflix from the 30th of June uh, no that's a, that's a separate we're going to have two we've got this this one the Jim Sheridan one murder at the cottage and then there's a Netflix series which is a completely different series that has been made again telling uh, the same story now I know Ian Bailey himself has said that he feels that the Netflix series is going to he called it demonising propaganda he says he's hoping he's going to be proven wrong but the Netflix series is very different in that it has been produced along with the members of Sophie's family so they're obviously that particular series 
is going to take a very different line to what was taken, even though Jim Sheridan lays out all of the facts, all of the information and lays it all out exactly as it was, you know, and, you know, really also shows that there was no fingerprints, no DNA, no evidence to point the finger in the direction of Ian Bailey. But it was, you know, it just looked like at the time that the Gardaí had their man and that was it and they didn't look to uh, anything else. So it'll be interesting when the Netflix one comes out, but but D is right, the Netflix one is on the 30th of June. It's at the end of June. So we're going to end up with two uh, series. Uh, anyway, your thoughts if you did watch the first two episodes, are you one of the ones who've seen all five? Uh, welcomed 1850-333-103. Michael in Mallow says, Ian Bailey has had his life ruined too because of this. It's disgraceful how many times he has to be found not guilty. Uh, when will it ever end for that man? I do, well, I don't think, I actually don't think it's ever going to end uh, for Ian Bailey for sure. 1850-333-103. We've had now a couple of people on and about the outdoor dining. And I know there's a separate issue with outdoor dining because the Gardaí have, of course, threw a kind of a bit of a spanner in the works at the weekend saying that there shouldn't be anybody doing outside outside dining and that it's breaching COVID regulations, the temporary seating areas. areas. And I know in Galway, the Gardaí have been called saying that they shouldn't be serving alcohol. And there's a lot being looked into that and more, I think, would break on that story over the coming weeks. Uh, Liz says on the outside food and drinking, why didn't they wait? To, why are they only waiting? to sort it out now why didn't they come out well I, th- I think it must have been the Gardaí were checking in on bylaws and discovered that really there, 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 there are laws there and that people shouldn't be allowed to have drinks outside I, I mean I, I know I certainly questioned it here on the programme when we were looking at this summer of outdoors this is before any of the restrictions were lifted and I made the point do we not have bylaws in this in this local authority bylaws against drinking on the street and one of the reasons was for that was to stop people out drinking and getting involved in antisocial behaviours. It was nothing to do with an outdoor summer but I was wondering about those bylaws and did those bylaws have to be adapted? So that's what the Gardaí are looking at uh, as well but we have had, those bylaws have always been here. They're not anything new. But then having tables and chairs out on streets and it is lovely to see it and it's fantastic for the businesses and we're doing everything that we can here to encourage people to go out and to support local businesses particularly your local independent stores and cafes and restaurants but it is causing problems for some people because Michael from Ballon Hassock says he was in Bantry uh, he went to Bantry for the weekend he was pushing his young grandchild who's in a buggy he said the footpaths were taken up with tables and chairs he said for part of while they were out enjoying the sunshine and out walking around the lovely town of Bantry. He said you ended up having to walk out onto the road because you couldn't stay on the footpath because the tables and chairs were in the way. He said it is great to see the outdoor dining but surely it is making it very, very dangerous for pedestrians. It's okay if you've got pedestrianised streets then you can have your tables and chairs wherever you want as long as there's a space to let the prams Our wheelchairs are people who are visually impaired or people with low vision as well. And remember, we did accessibility. We spoke about this on the programme only last Friday where we spoke about that businesses have to be where we're encouraging this outdoor summer and people are being encouraged to put out tables and chairs outside of their premises. You know, we very much spoke 
about it from the Clonakilty Access Group on Friday saying to people you also have to make the footpaths and the streets of our towns accessible to all. We're reopening and we should be reopening for everyone which includes people who maybe are in a wheelchair, people who have mobility issues but it also includes young families with their children who want to be able to safely walk down our streets and our villages and to be able to safely do it while having a little one inside in a pram or a buggy. And Margaret who was from Bantry she's also been on to us on the same issue. She says the footpaths are taken up with the tables and the chairs. She says from the Bay Diner up to the Garda Barracks, you have to walk on the road. You don't have any choice. The same at O'Connor's Seafood Restaurant. She said it's lovely to see all of this outdoor uh, dining but surely they have to make allowances for people who need to walk on the footpath. And she says what would you do if you were in a wheelchair? Where would you go? Well, that's what we that's why we brought it up on Friday was because we're trying to keep everybody safe and we certainly don't want people in wheelchairs having to come off footpaths and to go on to roads. 1850-333-103. Talking of outdoor dining, we're going to have another free munch Monday here on C103 with so much of Cork reopening and so many superb uh, restaurants that deserve all of our support. Uh, we are highlighting and featuring various uh, restaurants on a Monday on our free lunch Monday and you get the opportunity to win a voucher on this programme from the Ariel House Hotel in Balancolic. Later on I will give you a food combination I'll give you the first word of the food combination and blank and you've got to work out what the food combination is like it could be say fish and Chips would be the answer, for example. Now, we'll do that a little bit later on on the programme. And as we did last week, and I know Ken was doing it on the breakfast show uh, this morning, it'll be by text or WhatsApp only 0862 103 103. Your chance to win a getaway voucher here on C103. Good morning, Patricia. There is too much outdoor dining on some of our streets. I was in a West Cork town over the weekend. People couldn't simply walk on the pavement with all the tables and chairs. I also spotted six sitting around a table. It was a table set for two. Social distancing has gone out the window, says uh, Anne. Uh, Also, um... The outdoor dining, uh, what else came into us on this? John in Lamberstown says drinking outdoors was always illegal. It's not fair in ordinary citizens that don't drink or have young children to allow all of this drinking on the streets. So, uh, sorry, Joan, not John, Joan in Lamberstown. So Joan is happy that the Gardaí are looking into it at the moment and saying that it shouldn't be uh, ongoing at the moment. And then Ethan Douglas, this is on, you know, the way some parts of hospitality and the service industry are finding it hard to recruit staff. Now some are saying it's to do with the pop payment, the €350 and people don't want to go back uh, to uh, work. Well, Ita says the staff are badly paid, so it's no wonder that these establishments are finding it hard to find staff. Many of those people would have gone to some of the German supermarkets who pay much higher wages, much higher wages than even the Irish-owned supermarkets and people have just moved out of the hospitality industry and decided to go elsewhere. And also where there there are not antisocial hours that you would have if you were working in, in in a restaurant, I think some people, if they found different jobs, don't want to go back to the antisocial uh, nature of it. But he reckons it's because they are so badly paid, even though the ERSI, ERSI are out with a study today saying that people, this is for the people who are saying that they want to stay on the pop payment and they're better off on the pop payment, even though that €350 Euro a week is not going to last forever. But the ERSI did a study saying that people are better off back at work 
and financially they're better off than staying on the pop uh, payment. Now, whether they factored in the fact that it's going to reduce from 350 or not, I don't know. But Eta is right. The many hospitality and people in the service industry are finding it hard and certainly I mentioned that the week before last when I was on holidays for my few days off and I got in two different hotels I was staying in on a staycation and I did notice how young the staff were and they were all so very inexperienced. Now I was chatting with a friend of mine about that and she was making the point that that happens every year at this time when the start of the tourist season there's always young people being trained in but I just and I think she's right but I think I don't think I'd ever seen so many inexperienced staff working in hotels as I did that could just have been the two hotels that I was staying in thanks for your call Ita and thank you to Eleanor and Clam who said she is as we speak downloading all of the episodes of Murder at the Cottage from Sky it's obviously available for download today okay that explains it they dropped the two episodes last night on Sky crime and then they're available for us so I can, I can download them when I go home today thank you for that uh, Eleanor John in White's Cross also watched the programme last night on so- Sophie Tuscunda Plantier someone out there killed Sophie um, John uh, feels it was just handled badly by the Gardaí they saw the man that they thought was, was responsible they tried to finger Ian Bailey for it and then there was no major push to look for anyone else and then there was a series of things went wrong as well as, and even Jim Sheridan mentioned it it was as if the stars aligned to protect the murderer the fact that the body was left outside for an extra day the state pathologist being delayed coming down even the Gardaí coming down from Dublin and of course when they spoke about getting into the car at half four in the afternoon and didn't arrive in Scotland until 11 o'clock at night it again struck me my god the way the roads were back in 1996 and then arriving and couldn't find the Gardaí and then going in to a public phone box because it was an era where we didn't have mobile phones the phone box had been vandalised and they had to hotwire the guard them admitted hotwiring the phone in order to make a 999 call to get somebody from Skullgar the station to come and show them where the, where the house was so there was a series of things that almost like as I say the stars almost aligned to protect the murder because we always know even when you watch any of those crime programmes the ones made up for TV but any of those CSI programmes they would all tell, tell you it's the early evidence and you gather that early evidence as much of that early evidence as you can 1850 Bernie's taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Record today on C103 Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 0862 And thank you to lots of people who are saying to me you can download Murder at the Cossage the search for justice for Sophie you can download it from uh, today I was expecting the download from yesterday I suppose it was a little bit too impatient but it is available for download all five episodes uh, if people have Sky and want to download it somebody says if the American justice system is good enough for the Corbett uh, family then it's hypocritical for us not to accept the Irish justice system I say Ian Bailey should be sent to France and let them uh, sort it out and as we know the French did hold a a court case where he was tried in Bailey was tried in in absentia and he was found uh, guilty and sentenced to 25 years but I think everybody would accept that was on flawed evidence that discovered by the Gardaí so I don't know if you're saying that it would be fair just, just to accept the French ju- judicial system based on the evidence that they actually used. Thank you for your text to 0862 103 103 on eating outside and drinking outside and the Gardaí are they now looking to 
say hold your horses uh, a minute even though local councils have allowed establishments to set up seating areas on the streets and on the footpaths near their venues. These temporary structures now it seems are not covered by alcohol licences abstained by the district court. That's according to the Gardaí and it seems it's first come to light in Galway. The Minister for Justice is out this morning saying that the Gardaí will use their discretion So, and, and, and I don't know what kind of comfort that's going to give to owners of licensed premises that they're relying on the discretion of the local Gardaí. Somebody says, can pubs serve drinks in their own car parks? Yeah, a number of pubs have decided to do that because we're only allowed outdoor dining for the first month of the reopening. A number of pubs that have a large space outside and maybe it is a car park have converted it into some kind of establishment with seating areas. Remember there was grants available and everything to encourage them to do that in order to have some kind of an outdoor summer which is what the health experts are telling us is the best way to go. And someone else says Patricia why are people giving out about outdoor drinking and dining? What did these people want? We're not allowed to move indoors until the 5th of uh, July. I'm going to Cork next week says this texter and obviously somebody from outside Cork very much looking forward to coming to Cork and obviously if they're going to be coming next week we still won't be doing the indoor dining so this person is looking forward to having some meals and some drinks uh, out, outside and a number of people saying why are the Gardaí now suddenly coming up uh, with this well the Gardaí have confirmed that there is a breach of the law because of the alcohol because the structures are not covered under the alcohol licences and I don't know was it just suddenly somebody a Garda in Galway suddenly discovered that it's a breach of the law uh, or not but it certainly is going to have to be sorted out I heard Adrian Cummins of the Restaurants Association this morning saying well if this can't be sorted out then allow the indoor let us go back to the way we did it pre-pandemic and open up the indoor dining and drinking earlier even though Neffert are saying the 5th of July for that and Tim Joe in Barry Rose says Patricia would you say a huge thank you please to all at Crowley's Pharmacy on Fax Bridge in Clonakilty I got my vaccine there on Friday and they were so professional and so friendly. And that's from Tim Joe in Barry Row. And that certainly is the first text I've received from anyone who decided to go to their local pharmacy to get their jab. And at the moment, pharmacies are offering, it's the Johnson Johnson, isn't it? So Tim Joe only had to go the once and in two weeks time he will be fully vaccinated. So well done. I don't know how many others have decided to go down the route of going along to their Jeep to their local pharmacy. Not all pharmacies, again, we've mentioned this, we spoke about this last week on the programme, not every pharmacy is offering it. So you're going to need to check in with your local pharmacy to see are they one of the ones that were selected. I think about 800 have been selected for the initial rollout of the vaccine. Will more pharmacies come on board? I would say yes. And certainly I think when we get to the stage where we're all going to be getting booster shots are the people that will need booster shots. I think certainly pharmacies are going to play a huge role in that as they do when they give out the yearly flu uh, jab. And John and Clon was on. John is 82. Morning to you, John. Good to have you along. And he needs to renew his driver's, driver's licence. Does he need to get a medical? No, if you're aged 70 or over, you do not and, and do not have a medical uh, condition, then you don't need to submit a medical report 
provided you're not renewing or applying for a bus or a truck which I'm assuming uh, Jerry is not it's just to drive his uh, car there's a temporary exemption and it remains in place until the 30th of June so I would suggest if your licence needs to be renewed get it done quickly because they may change that on the 30th of June and then if they do you're going to have to go but for now you have the exemption is in place up until the 30th of June for anybody over the age of 70 who doesn't have a medical condition you don't need normally uh, people in that age category would need to submit a medical report 1850 333 103 Bernie taking your call Court today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850 333 103 Discussion last Friday on Cork County Council's speed limit review. A number of listeners highlighted Kenny's Cross in Castle Lines, saying something needs to be done about this dangerous junction. To find out more, I'm joined by James Runane of Castle Lines Community Council. Good morning to you, James. Good morning, Patricia. You're, you're welcome to the programme. Has there been safety issues at Kennedy's Cross for some time now? Um. There has been there has been issues there for as long as I can remember and and before us um, and you know I'm well over twenty one so uh, th- 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 these accidents have been happening there for years and years and years. Um, as time goes by, they seem to become more common. Uh, speed has become quicker. The road has become much much more used, especially for heavy goods vehicles. As it's uh, it's a thoroughfare onto the the Cork Dublin motorway. Um, there, in my lifetime, there has been two deaths as a result of accidents at that cross. There have been many, many serious injuries. Some of them have been life changing for people, even local people uh, living in Castines have had their life changed completely because of accidents at that cross. <laughs> so it, yeah, it's an ongoing problem. But it's um, getting worse, seems to be the message. It is getting yeah. worse. Um, speed is definitely a huge part of it. What is but the speed limit on that road? It's considered a regional road, so the speed limit should be um, 80 kilometres per hour. Okay. But the problem at the cross when you come to it, if a regular user would be aware of it. Anyone on the, the road coming from <coughs> cool, going towards from I, if you're a stranger, you won't be aware of the cross because you can't really see. I know it's signposted, but the cross happens to be uh, on the right and the left of the road is on a hill. There's a hill coming down and the hill going down the other side. Work has been done there to try and alleviate this problem. Has that I helped? Would, um, no, obviously... <coughs> Obviously, it, it, it hasn't helped properly. It hasn't done enough. Like, these accidents wouldn't keep where you're going. But if you, if you drive it, I tried it myself the night after the latest accident. So, um, when you're coming down from Fumai, you, you have to keep nosing out to see if the, you, you don't have the right of way. So you have to keep nosing your car out to see if there's anything coming. By the time you get out and, and if you see anything coming, you're on the middle of the road and you either put the boot to the board to try and get across or if you don't it's just too late oh, now the remedial work that has taken place so, you know was welcome but obviously it isn't enough <coughs> a lot of these accidents I don't know whether they're recorded or not because usually uh, which is probably right it's left to the 
the people in the exodus to start to doubt with their insurance companies. Now, with regard to speeding, you can't expect to get coming out setting up um, speed checks all the time. You know, that, that, that doesn't solve the problem at all. That's only... Um, a temporary solution while they're there looking at and you and you think do you, do you think many of the vehicles are doing more than the eighty kilometres? Most of them. Yeah. There's okay. no doubt about it. The okay. most of them. Um on that road and on, on there's one stretch of road in particular. It's there's a junction at the end of the Linaroost Road going towards Cool and towards Mahara and from that junction to Kinney's Cross and just beyond us is, is is the half a mile. Okay. On that half mile of road, you have 14 houses and two businesses. To me, that is the built-up area. That's the speed limit should be reduced to 50 kilometres at least. Mm. There's two very, very busy uh, business premises on it. One is an agricultural one and the other is a stud farm. Uh, and as farmers living on that road, they have to get in and out of their premises with agricultural machinery as well. You know, they, 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 everyone has to make a living. But there's elderly people living on that road, and to come out onto it is treacherous. You, so, you, you, so you, you make it sound almost like they're taking their life into their own hands every time they try to get onto that road. Well, you, you have to, because all those houses have to nose out onto the road as well from their premises, that they're immediately on the road. Yeah. And, and if you've got houses, somebody flying up doing 100. Yeah. yeah. And there's two houses at the end, the furthest over in from, from the Kinney's Cross. When they come out, they go left and go over the road to the safe place and turn around to come back to go to Fermoy, rather than risk being, being blown off the road. So, uh, And at that end of the road, there was another desk. And only last week there was an, uh, another accident, a local person. They're okay, though, as far as I know. They were hospitalised, but they're okay. Yeah, um, Michael Hagedine, we, we, we wish him well and wish him a speedy recovery, but he, he had a lot of injuries. God help him. It's dreadful, dreadful thing to, uh, to happen. Okay, so, okay, but James, what are the solutions? Um, reducing the speed limit is, is, is going to be one. Okay. Uh, it, it's going to be the main one, and there has to be something put in there. Now, there is a suggestion of, of um, these, these rumble uh, strips across the road. That would definitely slow it down, but at, at the Linnerhouse Road, it has to start at the other end first. Because when any driver comes onto that road, he has over a half mile of straight road that they could run with. There's no impediment, there's no turn, uh, and that, that even includes going straight through the cross. And people just build up, and just people build up the the speed. And as you say, in the last number of years, the amount of traffic on our roads has increased everywhere. It has increased, and it has increased, especially on the residents on that road. Will tell you, it has increased, especially since the uh, roundabout to get onto the motorway uh, outside from I. And obviously, that's that's the route to the, the motorway. So. That, that increases traffic and it intri- increases heavy goods vehicles. But, uh, you know, the, the speed is the problem. Um, and again, there needs to be a look at the sight lines on both sides of Guinea's Cross. It's just, you know, if, if, if more action has to be taken, it has to be taken. I know speed limits are set for regional roads. I think this is a little bit different from a regional road. This, this is a, a built-up area. So, you know, 
these laws can be amended and should be amended because, you know, one life lost on any road is one life too many. Absolutely. Well said. Well said. Dennis wants to know, is this crossroads anywhere near to the solar farm going in near Rathcormac Road to Castle Lines? A solar farm going in near Rathcormac Road to Castle Lines. Are you aware of no, that? that? No, no, no. Uh, it's not no. there. No, that's the over. That's a a different area, a different area. Okay, and I mean, I'm assuming this, as a safety issue, this has been raised at council level on on taking numerous occasions. Yeah, I I was, um, I I just Googled the other night to know when was it, (laughs) how far back I could get. Well, 2004, it was being raised in the county council chamber. You know, that far back and before it. It was there, the late uh, Jack Gilson, and when he was engineering for mine, and uh, Lars Merson, and he said, and with the last couple of years, it was a problem then. Uh, he tried to address it as best he could at the time, but, you know, it wasn't as busy a road then. As it is now, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a... But, uh, it, like, there are also elderly residents on that road. Like, and It's not fair. It's not fair. Both, both people on that road would tell you that they cannot come outside their own door to go for a walk. And most of those elderly people are, have probably lived there all of their lives. Yes, all their lives. Yeah. Them. Yeah, that's not fair. It's just not fair. OK, well, an opportunity at least to try to get the speed limit reduced under this speed limit review, James? Yeah, well, I, I, I hope we will. And I think there is a review of speed limit coming up shortly. Um, and, and hopefully um, the powers that be will take all this on board. Like, you know, and... <clears throat> First and foremost is to make this area safe for everyone, whether they're local or just passing through. Um, you know, it's mainly the people of this area want their road back. Okay. They want a normal life. They want to be able to come out of their own home safely and get into their own home safely. We don't want to see any more accidents or deaths with Denise Cross. Um, we would, I would like to thank all the county councillors that have supported this, you know, without them, uh, nothing would happen. Absolutely nothing. I I always think they're underestimated. (laughs) Well said. uh, Well said. I'd like to thank you too, uh, Patricia and County Council. Well, it's, it's, you know, we're only too glad to talk about it today because, as I say, it came up when we were chatting about it on Friday. We started getting some texts and calls in and we said we'd look into it and see uh, could, could, could we chat about it. So I'm only too glad to be able to talk about it. Uh, but something needs to be done and it needs to be done sooner rather than later. Listen, uh, James, we'll stay in contact with you. But in the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for and joining thank us you. on the programme. Good morning to you. Bye bye. James Renane there of Castle Lines Community Council. Hi Patricia, would you please give a mention to Winterbarra Green Community Initiative. It's a not-for-profit group based in Durris in West Cork and they're starting a market in Ahakista on Sunday, July the 4th. It'll be on from 10am to 2pm and the plan is is to have this country market every Sunday throughout the summer. There you go and those little farmers markets are proving to be so, so popular. So mark that one in your diary. Winterbarra Green Community Community Initiative in Durris, a country market, the first one down, as they say, for Sunday, the 4th of July. Good luck to everybody taking part there. And a question in from a listener saying, hi, uh, 
the testing centres, the NCT centres, are they open, please? I need to take my car for a test next month on the 12th of July. And I can tell you that, yes, all NCT centres are fully operational. The NCT service is actually deemed an essential service. And remember, even when there was travel restrictions, if you were stopped by the Gardaí, you could say you were travelling to an NCT uh, centre. So they've been up and running as an essential uh, service. Now, obviously, in order to prevent the spread of COVID-19, they're asking customers to pay by credit or debit card. Uh, you can't pay by cash anymore. You also, they also tell you if you go onto the NCT website, they also tell you to make sure that you're wearing the correct clothing attire for the weather as you uh, may have to wait outside the building while your vehicle has been inspected just in case it was a particularly wet day if it's a fine sunny day it'll be grand but in case it might be bucketing down on top of you wear appropriate clothing but yes basically I digress all of the test centres are open as normal on the drinking outside and is it legal or not Michael in Castletown Mayor Patricia the Intoxicating Liquor Act allows you to sell alcohol on your licensed premises i.e. within the bounds of your premises not on the street otherwise they would be deemed found they would be deemed as found as found-ons by the Gardaí after hours your front, back and the whole house is normally the licensed premises so would that the front, the back and the whole house would that include like some people are saying that many publicans have become very creative and they've turned their car parks for example into outdoor dining areas is that deemed at the back or is it literally just the building I mean this is where the law needs to be looked at and somebody says thank you Michael for that somebody says yes Patricia why are the government saying that outside is fine and yet we're now hearing we could be fined by the guards the guards are saying that's not the case will we all end up getting arrested if so it won't be too long until the jails start to fill up. OK, I can tell you the very latest on this is the Justice Minister, Heather uh, Humphreys. She's saying that the Gardaí will use their discretion to deal with the pubs and the restaurants serving uh, alcohol to customers who are availing of the on-street uh, seating. The extra space for customers has been facilitated by the government under the outdoor dining seating scheme early this month, whereby the government actually gave money to premises so that they could invest in outdoor seating areas but now there's doubts with the legality of the service being raised by the Gardaí. Now it kicked off in Galway at the weekend I think it was the Galway the Gardaí were the first to raise the legality of the service. Gardaí have said that the consumption of alcohol in these spaces was not permitted they say unless specifically provided for in a liquor licence obtained in court are where bylaws permitted the drinking of alcohol in public and of course many of our bylaws which are introduced by our local authorities our local councils will tell you that you can't have drinking outside now it seems for, from certainly Galway City Council they're going to be discussing it at a joint police committee but obviously the fact that it's happened in Galway now publicans all over the country are saying well are we going to be next are we going to have the Gardaí coming and saying no you can't serve drink on the footpath or you can't serve drink outside in your car park or in that seating area now Heather Humphreys the Justice Minister was tweeting about it this morning and that's where she says that the Gardaí will use their discretion she said the Commissioner Drew Harris has assured her 
Minister Humphreys and did so again this morning. The discretion will continue to be applied by Gardaí in their engagements with licensed premises. The Commissioner will be sending a communication, she says, out across the Garda organisation this morning to that effect. She says the overwhelming majority of licensed premises are operating safely and we in government are determined to continue to support them. If a local issue arises, she said, I would urge local authorities, Gardaí and businesses to engage. However, she said, I will also examine whether further measures are required by government. Licensing law, she says, is a complex area, but she's already spoken to the Attorney General this morning and they'll take further action if uh, needed. So well, let's wait and see what happens, what the Attorney General is going to say. And then a statement from the Gardaí set out that licensed premises could only sell alcohol as takeaway are to be consumed on the premises and what cons- constitutes a premises is set out in the business's liquor licence. Anything falling outside of that, which includes on-street drinking area, is not covered. After that, it falls to whether or not the local authority permits the drinking of alcohol in, pu- in public. And I'm, I'll get Bernie to check, but I'm sure that Cork City and County Councils, both County Councils have introduced a prohibition, or they did it a number of years ago, of drinking in public. I'll get that to, uh, doubly checked, but I know a lot of local authorities certainly have gone down that route, and that was to stop antisocial behaviour. That was nothing to do with the uh, pandemic. And in a statement last night, the Department of Justice says that the prem- that premises who continue to behave responsibly in controlling their premises should have absolutely nothing to worry. It says there are different legal situations depending on whether the bylaws were in uh, place but it did note that a small minority of pubs had been serving alcohol to those seated outside which it, des- which it described as agreed areas and said that these would be the focus of any Garda action in the first instance. So we'll wait and see and I know uh, we won't get to it today but I know we're hoping to speak with the Vintners Federation tomorrow just to see if there's any update on this and what breaks to Day. Be, I'll be very interested to see what the Attorney General has to say in all of this and uh, we'll, we'll further update you on it but a lot of people are just kind of annoyed about it. I think people in the main who have managed to start going out and about and they're having their social few drinks with friends or they're meeting up with family and they're having a nice meal and this is the way it's going to be until at least the 5th of July and people are saying oh please don't take this away, away from us just as the country has started to reopen you know bearing in mind we're being told and certainly people who are fully vaccinated are being told to get out and about and try to lead a normal life as possible and suddenly this spanner was thrown in the works by the Galway Gardaí at the weekend. 1850 Now a number of people commenting on the piece we did with Castle Lines and this Kenny's Cross where tragically lives have been lost Listen to James Renane. It sounds like every time you would want to drive on to that road, you would be taking your life in your hands. I imagine that residents just must take a deep breath as they head out onto the road in the hope that they're going to make it onto the road uh, safely. Uh, hi, Patricia. If the pl- it's the planners that should be dealing with all of these road issues, what needs to happen is they need to drive on them to see what the problems are. Just recently in Skibreen, for example, they put a zebra crossing by Londis, but at the top of the road as you turn to High Street surely that was a stupid uh, place to put it there. They need to look at things like that and particularly around parking and driving issues and when planners and whoever decide to make these decisions make them, they need to actually drive the road and they need to talk, as, and they certainly need to talk to the people that live in the area because often what happens is the people that live in the area have the solutions because they are the ones that see every single day You know, be it, I mean listening to James, speed does seem, seems to be a huge uh, issue but there also seems to be an issue 
issue with visibility, people being able to see what's coming. But if people are speeding on that road, then that's just adding. Uh, for sure, that's only adding to the problem. And then there was a text in to say, hi, I'm a resident in the Berry Hill estate, which is just down the road from Kenny's Cross that you spoke about in the last hour on your programme. We're under siege from speeding traffic using Castle Lines Village as a rat run. A recent survey carried out found that 85% of traffic were over the signposted speed limit. Now James told us the speed limit is 80 kilometres. This texture says the highest speed was clocked at 106 kilometres per hour. Speeding is a systemic societal issue and behaviours need to change. Unfortunately the people in power who can make these changes are either not interested or not willing to make them but we're back again to the problem of it being speed and people need to slow down because somebody else thank you for that somebody else was saying would you not put in a mini roundabout or a yield right of way system where everyone has to stop at the cross. And yeah, I mean, the mini roundabout, terrific idea, or getting everybody to stop at the cross, terrific idea. But I know exactly what the powers that be would say. It'll slow down the flow of traffic. And it's one of the issues when we were talking last week and something that it's going to happen throughout the year with Cork County Council looking at the speed limit review. And like, for example, lots of people say in housing estates, it should all be uh, 30 kilometres. But people who live in villages or in areas like what we're talking talking about today with Castle Lines and Kenny's Cross at 80 kilometres the speed is even too quick so people would say bring it back down to 50 kilometres but it will slow up the flow of traffic and then that leads to other problems and then people start to speed And but it's to try to I think that other texture the saying the societal issue we've got to get it into our mindset we seem to be pretty bad about speeding in this country and we know that absolutely speed uh, kills 1850 Bernie's taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. A community support worker is wanted for a befriending service to clients in their own home in the Mitchellstown Fumoy area. Community employment rates will apply. Everfresh Exterior Interior Solutions are looking for two qualified painters. It's for the North Cork area. Mandel, manual handling and safe pass required. Hotel receptionist required. That's for Longerville House outside of Mallow. While cabinets of Charleville, they've got vacancies for fully qualified, experienced motor technicians for both their Charleville and Mallow branches. They're also looking for a vehicle body repair technician. That's for their body shop facility in Charleville. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 86 103 Now last week a study on school aged children showed up to 5% of children aged between 10 and 17 had used a sunbed. It also found that 90% of young people have experienced sunburn at least once with 74% saying they were burnt in the last year. To talk about the dangers of sunbeds and sunburn. I'm joined from the Irish Cancer Society by Kevin O'Hagan who is a cancer prevention manager. Good morning to you Kevin. Good morning Patricia. And you're, you're welcome to the programme. Firstly children using sunbeds. That is completely illegal in this country isn't it? Anybody yeah, under the age yeah. of 18? Yes it is. There is legislation in place since 2014 actually which bans the use of sunbeds to under 18. So it is indeed against the law to, to sell or even to hire a sunbed 
to anyone under the age of 18. So, so the law forces some bed operate, operators to make it very clear uh, to all children uh, under 18 uh, of the dangers of sunbed, uh, and also to provide proper signage and health warnings, um, you know, and, and, and make sure that there, that there are no under 18s using sunbeds. Uh, so it's, it's very disappointing then when we when we read this report and find that that five percent of children have actually used sunbed, uh, and and that's that's very worrying because the risk of sunbed use is, is is really significant when it comes to skin cancer, and of course skin cancer is Ireland's number one cancer. We have over thirteen thousand cases of skin cancer per year, and we know that sunbeds are carcinogenic. The World Health Organization has admitted very clear. That, that sunbeds, are, you know, are, are a high risk when it comes to skin cancer, and we know that about that that, we, that about, uh, there's a 75 percent increase in the risk of developing melanoma, which is obviously the most dangerous form of skin cancer, uh, in people who use a tanning bed before the age of 30. So, if children are using sunbeds at that young age, their skin is clearly being damaged, uh, and that that increases their risk of skin cancer later in life. If you had your way, would you ban them completely? Well, it it looks like you know there, there's a lot of countries around the world that that are looking at it very clearly. We've there's Australia, Brazil, uh, there are bans in places. So we know that the National Skin Cancer Prevention Plan here in Ireland refers refers to um, examining the feasibility of a ban of eliminating sunbed use entirely. So the National Cancer Control Programme here in Ireland is reviewing that evidence and we certainly would support looking at that evidence very clearly and see if, 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 if a ban is what we need in this country. We know we have legislation in place, it's there for a reason, but it certainly needs to be implemented properly. Um, we know that you know that, that there's a need for, for certainly more environmental health, health officers to be out there monitoring sunbed operators and stopping children from using the harmful sunbeds. We need to get that right first, you know, mm. uh, that, that will go a long way. With little access, though, to foreign holidays this year, uh, Kevin, are you fearful of an increase in sunbed use by adults? Yes, absolutely, you know, but I do think the numbers of people using sunbeds has certainly decreased. People are getting the message now that these things are carcinogenic, they cause skin cancer, so that certainly has been, uh, we've seen a decline, um, but certainly we need to continue to remind people of their dangers uh, and, and certainly discourage any, any use of sunbeds whatsoever. Um, we know that you know that, that people are still getting sunburned, and, and and this report is worrying that you know that young children have been seventy five percent have been burned in the last year. So it's not just the foreign holidays we need to worry about too much. It's, it's that repeated sunburns. You know, it's in in the garden. Um, you know, chatting the neighbour over the garden hedge. You know, you can easily get burned in Ireland here. Uh, from, from yeah, right from yeah, because actually, that's a really good point. Because when when I was reading the results of that study, when the children were talking about their own leaving the sunbed aside, but we're talking about being sunburned, uh, you know, one in ten said that they had been burned five or more times last summer. Now nobody went anywhere last summer because we were all on our, our staycations. So those five or more burns happened. At, at home, do, do we is do we have this notion that we wrongly believe? Oh, should the Irish sun isn't as strong, and that if we were taking our children to Spain or France or any kind of a foreign holiday, we'll make sure that we've all the sun protection on them. But we don't seem to do the same thing when they're, as you say, out in their back garden playing. Yeah, we have this, this perception that that the sun in Spain seems to be worse than here in Ireland. 
you know, we know from our research that between April and September, the skin, the, the sun here in Ireland is hot enough to damage your skin in 90% of the day. So even though it may not be hot, uh, it may be a bit overcast or, 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 you know, perhaps even windy or cold, that there's still UV rays coming from the sun to damage your skin here in Ireland. So you still can get badly burned on, on a windy, you know, blowy day here in Ireland. So it's important that we, we protect our skin here in Ireland all, right through that whole period from April to September. Um, and, and, you know, we do make this mistake all the time um, of, of, of assuming that you know, it's a bit cloudy and sure we don't need to wear any protective, uh, protection on our skin. So it's, it is an important message. We do remind people that following that sun smart code, proper clothing, taking shade, wearing a hat, sunglasses, using sunscreen, SPF 30 plus, and, and not getting a tan is, is the best thing we can do to reduce our risk of skin cancer. Do you believe there's no such thing as a healthy tan unless it comes out of a bottle? Absolutely not. You know, there is certainly no such thing as a healthy tan. We often say tan skin is damaged skin. So it's it, a tan, you know, it doesn't protect your skin from burning. Um, and, you know, after a tan is gone, the damage remains and builds up year on year. Uh, so it, it really, the, the tan is it's the skin's way to protect itself from further UV damage. So, you know, it's, it's really, there, there's no such thing as a healthy tan. And, and we would certainly discourage people from, from seeking a tan or, or getting sunburned whatsoever. Um, you know, it, it is, it, it's UV damage to your DNA and your skin and, and that accumulates over, over years. So it, particularly for children, we don't want to see them getting tanned or burned. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Joe and Domanway says, when I was in my 20s, uh, I lived on a sunbed. I loved the way I looked after the tan. But then I lost my dad to skin cancer. Never touched one again. I am now so very, very careful in the sun. Uh, so um, thanks for that, uh, Joe. And early detection, uh, Kevin. Yeah. We know with all, whenever we're discussing any type of cancer, we always talk about, you know, know the symptoms and get in there with early detection. Now, we know what's been happening with the pandemic. People haven't been going to their GPs. People haven't been, you know, if they're worried about something. Is, the, is, is that something you would have concerns about? Yes, absolutely. We're really concerned that people are not, not going to a GP for, for any symptoms of cancer at the moment. And, and, you know, we really want to encourage people to be mindful of, of, of their own health and that their health matters you know, no matter about the, the pandemic at the moment. And GPs do want to see people with any type of symptoms whatsoever. Um, but when it comes to skin cancer, you know, skin cancer, you can see it on your skin. So we, we are in a position, stronger position to do something about it, unlike some of the other cancers, of course. And when we talk about skin cancer a lot, we often refer to melanoma, which is obviously the most serious one. And the symptoms we're thinking about here is changes to a mole or a new mole, presenting mole, changes in colour, shape or size of your mole. So if moles look kind of red or inflamed or if they're bleeding, crusting or, or oozing, start to feel different, you really need to get, get them looked at as quickly as possible. We also, as opposed to more, as opposed to maybe more common um, symptoms on our skin, which often can be linked to non-melanoma skin cancers, um, and, you know, they're, they're lumped, um, you know, um, little... Like they look very different from most people, you know. So we're 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 talking about um, you know, little spots on their skin that maybe are not even causing any pain. Little little um, lumps, flattened shapes, you know. And we we have some pictures on our website that kind of can link these in, but they do look very different from most people. Um, and you know, they they can appear on on areas of the face, hands, neck, back of the neck, and sometimes some of these actually don't appear on 
here I just say sometimes under under the nails or under the feet or somewhere that you just don't see. So you need to be checking your skin at least once a month for any kind of sign, any kind of ulcer, uh, tender reddish, you know, anything that seems unusual to your skin, on your skin, and talk to your doctor. Skin cancer is very treatable if it's detected early, detected early but if it's, you know, if, it, if, it, if it's left for a long period of time, then you've certainly more problems. Um, so yeah, and you don't ignore it, thinking either that that'll just go away. And the other one is to have a partner to check the areas that you can't see. I mean, you're, you're back. I remember many years ago interviewing a man who uh, thankfully had made a full recovery from, from skin cancer. And it was a mole on his back that his partner yeah. noticed had changed. Yeah. And of course, he said, when do I look at my back? I'm not, you know, looking at my back that often. And it was his partner said to him, she wasn't, she said, that looks a bit funny. And he decided there and then with the the, the fact of what the partner said, he went and he, he was caught at an early stage and he had made a full recovery. So get somebody to take a look at the parts of your body that you can't see yourself. Absolutely. And the difficulty, Patricia, is that if these are the spots or, or, or moles on our back, they may not be causing us any pain or discomfort whatsoever. So we don't notice them. We don't feel, you know, we don't feel them. So, yeah, to have a good look around, use the mirror, have a good check around your skin every, every at least every month and seeing um, what's, what's going on there. And, and if, you know, if there's any changes to it, maybe even sometimes it'd be helpful to take a little picture of, of, of something. And just yeah, and we all, have the, they all, we all have the phones, yeah. cameras on our phones now, so it's easy to do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, yeah, if you are worried about, about some of these things, you can call our cancer nurse line here at the Irish Cancer Society. It's a free phone number, 1-800-200-700. And you can talk to one of our cancer nurses about any of the symptoms, you know, because they do look and feel very different for most people and, and they're never the same for, for, for two people. So um, it, it can be confusing enough and, and may often be nothing major to worry about yeah, please but God. you just never know just don't, uh, be, be, don't bury your head in the sand is, is the big message absolutely and, and for, okay. for all cancers it's early detection oh. we all know early, early detection is so important OK Kevin you do amazing work with the Irish Cancer Society continue good luck with that work and thank you for joining us on the programme this morning Thank you very much. Good morning, Jay. Bye bye. Kevin O'Hagan, there, Cancer Prevention Manager, Irish Cancer Society. Maura is really taken aback uh, to have heard that children. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. 
That's BlueNile.com. Uh, one in 20 children aged between 10 and 17 had admitted that they had used a uh, sunbed. Maura says, is it not the so-called parents who should be made responsible for those uh, children? 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Now, text in uh, every single day. We've had texts about scams. I was waiting for one to arrive. It arrived nice and early. It was actually in before 11 this morning from Breed. Says, Patricia, just to let your listeners know, just got a text from Bank of Ireland uh, it, to say my online bank is limited please follow the steps to reactivate this is obviously false as I don't bank with Bank of Ireland anyway the banks would send out would, the banks wouldn't send out texts like this please tell people to be very very careful uh, thank you for that Breed and then we also had some calls in about the very typical ones of people getting the phone call saying that they've been investigated by Angarda Shikona we've already had a number of those this morning we were inundated on Friday they seem to have been particularly busy on Friday. We couldn't keep up with the number of calls and texts and WhatsApps we were getting in from people saying, yeah, just received one. People had received numerous ones. You know, they got one at 10 o'clock, they had another one at half 10, they got another one at quarter to 11. became really, really annoying. So it doesn't surprise me to read in the papers today that Ireland is the second most scammed country in Europe. A value of almost €8,000 being defrauded for every one thousand inhabitants. Isn't that, in- that incredible? It's new research just out. More than 260,000 credit and debit card frauds totalling 22 million euro in value hit Irish people. That's just last year. And Garda hits are now saying that online transaction frauds was up 50% in 2020 compared to 2019. The scam artists, I'm telling you, these criminals during lockdown and during the pandemic really realised that they had almost a captive audience. They had people at home and people working from home and they decided they were going to go hell for leather and they certainly did. And for whatever reason, we here in Ireland, a lot of people... unfortunately turned out to be very gullible and got sucked in by these uh, criminals even though I will say because some people get very embarrassed when they realise that they have been uh, defrauded these guys and gals are really good at what they do and that's why if you have been defrauded to contact the Gardaí and tell them about it and they're very sympathetic to people who have been uh, caught out so we're the second most scammed country in Europe who's the top one? our very near neighbours, the UK. They have the highest level of impact from financial fraud by criminals engaged in investment scams, redirection fraud, impersonation uh, fraud and other activity where organised gangs are using phones and internet systems to try to access people's bank accounts. Scamming is now so prevalent as a lucratively growing modern crime phenomena that Gardaí last week reiterated their advice to the public on how to avoid being defrauded. Now this was something we covered on the programme last week. Only last Wednesday the Gardaí said that despite increased publicity around the activity of fraudsters they said unfortunately 
people continue to fall victim to scams and they say it's happening on a daily basis. In recent years, the Gar- in recent days, sorry, the Gardaí have received reports nationwide but they got the biggest bulk of the calls came from Donegal, Monaghan, Dublin and uh, Kilkenny but they got them. There wasn't a county in Ireland where they didn't receive calls from people saying that they're either getting the scam calls or they have been scalled, uh, they have been scammed but the majority of the calls are related to this automated scam phone call, the one where a lot of our listeners certainly got the calls last week. This is where you get a phone call, you pick it up and then it's it's a recorded message so it's a pre-recorded message telling you that the person on the other end of the line is Smangor the Shia and that you are being investigated. They tell you it's in relation to suspicious activity which is linked to your PPS number and they're saying that they're the Gardaí. They're saying that they need to rectify the situation ASAP and then they tell you that you need to press, I think it's one, to speak to somebody further in relation to the fraud and then they, now last week we were being told that the scams were mainly coming from the oh, from an 087 number but we'd seen a previous one where it seemed to be coming from an 08 three number but it does look like it is it does look like it is coming from a mobile number so people straight away think because a lot of the scams were coming from international numbers so people were dubious as soon as you know a phone call came from the Congo I don't know anyone in the Congo so I'm not answering that call but when it flashes up on your screen looking like a normal Irish mobile phone number many people then answered and the Guardian's advice as always is do not engage with the caller do not return the call, do not follow the automated instructions, do not press one and of course if you do end up talking to these guys, never disclose personal or financial information. Hang up immediately and block the number where possible and if you think you've been a victim of one of these crimes, your first their first port of call is to get onto your bank and following that get on to the Gardaí. 1850 333 103, Bernie taking your calls, you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 Now, four Cork-based dance artists have come together to create Cork Dance Initiative, and I'm dying to find out more. Joining me is one of the dance artists, that's Rory O'Donovan, who is a choreographer who lives and works on beautiful Cape Clear. How lucky is he? Good morning to you, Rory. Good morning. What a gorgeous place to live and work. I'm just looking out here, looking across the bay at the Calf Islands and Sculvera in the distance and the sun is shining. So it's not a bad place to be working, let me tell you. Absolutely not. Now, how did this dance initiative uh, come about and what are its main aims? Um, yeah, so Court Dance Initiative, uh, we've been working together, God, maybe pushing on a year and a half now. Um, we, we've all been working in the city, you know, as independent artists and had kind of been in conversation with each other and, uh, you know, had, had, some of us had worked together in the past. So it kind of came came about really organically. There was a kind of need for, I suppose, organising together to look at um, uh, dance and dance performance and dance and health and uh, dance with older folks and also dance for kids as well and the young at heart. So it's kind of, it's very broad in its, in its reach and its objectives, but I suppose we're, as an organisation, a new organisation that we're forming, we're in our infancy. So we've just been really busy over the last year, you know, kind of putting together our structures, how we meet, um, what happens at meetings, um, how we might help the community and build infrastructure and support and also develop audiences for dance in Cork City. So it's really exciting to be at Cork Midsummer Festival this year. Um, We're all delighted to be back as a group and some of us have other performances on, you know, Siobhan Nihonin um, premiered 
new work called Javon over the weekend. So we're really excited for that. So, you know, dancers, some of the hardest working people in, in showbiz. So we're definitely um, having a go this week with, with so many different things on. So we're excited to share our work, which is called In It For The Long Run with Cork Audience. Well done. Well, um, well done. And I'm assuming the pandemic was a kind of a, a good time to start looking at something like this uh, initiative, because obviously, as with everybody else in the arts, your work dried up. Yeah, it did. It did in 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 a lot of ways, you know. And it, it, I suppose it carved out time in one regard for this type of work, you know, new ways of coming together. Um, I suppose a lot of things, a lot of the ways that we've been working individually, and maybe the people working in the arts sector have been working before the pandemic, were already very challenging and broken, you know very precarious kind of labor so we came together to look at that you know how to have a healthier kind of um environment to make work in um to take care of our bodies and our mental health and kind of share that out then in the community so yeah it's been um it's been a challenge we've um we've only glimpsed each other on the rare occasion when <laughs> lockdowns were, were lifted that we were able to meet mostly it's been online and in the studio you know separately working away and then coming back together to share the work, you know. So, well done, yeah, well done. So. And as you say, this uh, In For The Long Run, it kicked off at the weekend and the Cork Mid- Midsummer Festival runs across this week, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So um, my colleague Lisa Cliff was in the uh, down in the Colquay at the market on Saturday and she kind of kicked it off with a market stall. Um, and then tonight, uh, Siobhan Nigonin is performing online at 6.30pm and uh, on Wednesday there's another online release from Luke Murphy and then my piece will be premiering on Friday morning at 11am and then on Sunday there's an opportunity for anyone uh, to join us we're having an online gathering kind of a meeting to to introduce the work and to look at next steps for the coming year and all the tickets for that are free and available on corkmidsummer.com and the event is in it for the long run. Yeah, so okay. we're in it for the long run and we want people to join us. Um, so definitely worth checking out. Loads of lovely dance online and in person actually across the week. Yeah. And have you any idea when you will be back up and running and life back to some kind of normality for dancers? You know, it's kind of, um, it's already gearing up, you know. Um, right. So people are back in the studios and following guidelines and working out new ways to, to kind of be be together and dance and move together, you know, and be that in the studio with restrictions or outside, you know, and now we, we're fortunate to be having a little bit of good weather, so that's possible. So I'd say, yeah, like things are coming back, you know, and um, it's been challenged, you know, for everyone, not just artists, but everyone in the country. And I think it's, it's with a lot of hope, you know, that we're we're seeing um, things opening up again. And today, you know, the the longest day of the year, the brightest mm-hmm. day of the year, things are looking good as we move forward. So. Okay, well done, well done. Has 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 dance always been your passion from a young age? Yeah, I think yeah, from a very young age, I was always interested in performing and dancing and theatre. So it's always been something that I've had in my life, and I've been really privileged and lucky to pursue and trained and learned from some really like interesting people both at home and abroad and it's just such a pleasure now to be working you know with Lisa, Luke and Siobhan on building something for artists in Cork and we hope we can you know support the next generation yeah, of people. Yeah and that's, that's what it's all about it's about the future uh, generation of uh, young young dancers and how long have you been living on Cape Clear Rory? Well um, they, they say in Irish it's on the current 
Cuig Blian. I've been putting the island under me for five years. But um, <laughs> I'm still a law daft, a fair weather, a blow in, but uh, everyone's really welcoming and lovely down here. So it's a beautiful place to be working and hopefully we'll be will be moving and shaking down here very soon as well. Okay, okay. And visitors have, have visitors started to return to the island yet, or is it too early? No, yeah, it's really nice since I suppose the lockdown's been easing. It's been really nice to see more and more people coming in, you know, off the ferry, and um, yeah, it's nice to see businesses reopening and to have a bit of life around the place and meet strangers, you know, on the walking trails and things like that. It's lovely to see. Um, yeah, I mean, we're so lucky in Cork to have all this on our doorstep, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's great to be seeing things reopening again. Yeah, it is, absolutely. And of course, let us we're always trying to find positives in the in the pandemic. The one positive for the Cork uh, Midsummer Festival this year and what you guys are involved with in, in for the long run is that, you know, people get to see it online. People who perhaps, if you were doing an event, mightn't be able to get to see it. People now have the opportunity to see it all all online. Yeah, exactly. It's, 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 uh, it's definitely a different way to reach more audience, you know, and uh, I think just fantastic job to Lorraine May and everyone at Cork Midsummer Festival, you know, they were really supporting um, Cork artists and Irish artists, even last year when things were, you know, a little bit even more uncertain than they are now. The team at Cork Midsummer Festival, you know, it's always been a place to support um, They're a great bunch. Cork artists. They, yeah, are, they really are a great there's bunch. Loads, loads and loads in the programme, so definitely worth checking out, you know, there's loads and loads of stuff on. If you can't get to something in person, you know, just the same as our events, there's always an option then to catch it online. So that's a lovely thing as well to see be able to go to a contemporary dance piece or a theatre piece but from the comfort of your yeah, own living room. Yeah, I think yeah, that's one exactly. of the re- re- the real positives of the pandemic. Okay, corkmidsummer.com. Rory, it was a real pleasure to talk to you. Uh, thank you for that and thanks for joining us this morning. So on that, uh, bye bye. That is Rory O'Donovan, who is a choreographer who lives and works on Cape Clear, part of the new Cork Dance Initiative. And we wish everybody involved with the Cork Dance Initiative the very best of luck. 1850-333-103. Bernie's taking your calls today. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. I can already see some questions coming in from Annelise Drissel, our nutritional therapist. She'll join us after half past 12 today. So if you've got a question, uh, take some time out now to either call Bernie or text or WhatsApp us. And of course, you can also email Patricia at c103.ie. I spoke about scam callers in the last hour and saying, or not in the last hour, a couple of minutes ago, uh, and talking about that they seem to appear to be coming from a mobile number and that's getting people sucked in. Uh, And that I was wondering about the international ones. Are they still as prevalent? Somebody said, uh, Trish just got a call from Tunisia. And as you said, don't know anyone in Tunisia. So needless to say, says this is another Trish, said I knew it was a scam call, so I didn't answer. So the international ones, but at least when they're the international ones and you have a smartphone where it shows what country it's coming from, it is easier then to just straight away, don't take the call and block the number. But it's when it's coming from our own Irish, what appears to be our own Irish mobile numbers. That I think in the main is what is is duping people. Bernie's taking your calls at 1850-333-103. We're going to take a break. We're going to find out about those wild boars and the one wild boar that we think is left in the National Parks and Wildlife down in Kerry. Uh, we also have Annalise answering all of your nutritional questions and make sure you're tuned our way in the next hour for your chance to win a voucher for the Oriel House Hotel in Ballincolly because today is a free 
Free Munch Monday. If somebody said today, 21st of June, longest day of the year. This text says, I really hope that we don't have to change the time this uh, winter. The issue that comes up every single year, everybody. And we all love when the clocks go forward the hour and we're getting the extra hour of daylight. But nobody, but nobody uh, likes it, except for the extra hour in bed. But the the long winter dark evenings everybody hates it listen they've been talking about this and debating this and the EU made the decision that we would we would abolish winter time a number of years ago and nothing became of it even though I know they said it was up to each individual uh, country but we are going to be caught here in Ireland now because of Brexit and because we run under Greenwich Mean Time and we know that in the UK they've already said that they weren't that they were going to continue with the winter time and summer time and we could end up in this if the rest of Europe decides to abolish winter time and we stay on summertime, we could end up in the situation that if we followed the EU and then Northern Ireland went with the UK, we could end up with two different time zones on our one little island, which would be not the way to go uh, at all. Anyway, we'll wait and see what happens as we get closer to that date in October. But yet today, let's hope everybody enjoys the longest day of the year today. And it's lovely to have sunshine, isn't it, on the longest day of the year. Can I also, for the day that's in it, for the longest day of the year, the Irish Motor Neuro and Disease Association, they've been in touch and today is one of their main fundraisers. Today is Globe, Global Motor Neuron Disease Awareness Day and they're asking people to drink tea for MND. You can help with their fundraising by texting MND to 50300 and by doing that you donate two euro to the Motor Motor Neuron Disease Association. You can also go onto their website if you want to maybe help them with fundraising and find out more about their fundraising events, imnda.ie. But today they're asking everybody to text MND to 50300 for €2 euro. and we'll all remember the Ice Bucket Challenge and what great fun that brought into everybody's life but at the same time of course that was a major fundraiser for motor neuron disease all over the world and it was just so so well deserved at that time and it would be great to, to boost their fundraising again because like with all charities during the pandemic they have lost out so much when it comes to fundraising so the best of luck to everybody involved with the Irish Motor Neuron Disease Association with their Global Awareness Day uh, today. Now we have today is Monday. We have a free Munch Monday going on again today. It's to celebrate the fact that Cork is reopening and we have got so many superb restaurants and all of them deserve our support. So on our free Munch Monday we're giving away vouchers every Monday for various restaurants across Cork City and County and today your tasty food is with the Ariel House Hotel in Ballin Colic, your chance to win free Munch Monday. Your ticket to great food thanks to McCarthy Insurance Group, your trusted partner and advisor at crunch time. See mig.ie. How do you win today on a free Munch Monday? Well, we're opening the texts and the WhatsApps now. We'll leave it open till about half past 12 and then we will select our winner. Uh, you have to finish the food combination. Our food combination today is brownie and blank. Brownie and blank. I can think of two obvious ones, but I have to take the answer that's in front of me on my page. So what do you think is the perfect food combination? What would you put with your brownie? Brownie and 
blank. Now you text the or WhatsApp the answer to 0862103103 with your name and address please and then we'll put them all into a hat and we will randomly select one who will win our takeaway voucher for today for Ariel House Hotel on our free Munch Monday. Get texting and WhatsApping that answer please. Brownie and what? What is the blank that we are talking about? Okay, and while we are awaiting your answers to come in there, I can see some questions coming in for Annalise. You can keep those coming. Some of your texts coming into us. Jim, this is on scams. Jim says, this seems to me to be a little bit like a scam. Again, this morning, I got a phone call saying that I got I got called that the number, that the person at the other end of the phone said that they had called, I had called them. I said, sorry, I didn't call you. And the other person said, well, I've had a missed call from you. Uh, my number is showing up as a missed call on their phone. It happened a few days ago as well, says Jim. What is going on? Is that a scam? OK, I can tell you straight away it is a scam. It is something called spoofing. It's caller ID spoofing. It happened to me last year where I got a missed call returned the missed call. No, I didn't. I sent a text to the person on the missed call saying, sorry, are you looking for me? And then they text back saying, you phoned me? And I said, no, you phoned me. And I ended up talking to this lovely man in Kerry and I said, don't know what's going on here. Let me look into it. And I looked into it and it's called caller ID spoofing, whereby the scammers use my number or in this case it's Jim's number to disguise their identity and of course if somebody had picked up the phone it wouldn't have been from my phone but it's just that my caller ID ended up on it. Now I looked into it and it's caused huge problems for people all over the world. Some people have had to go to Great Lens to change their number. I didn't get another call since so what I would say to you Jim is keep an eye on it and if you get more similar calls then you're going to have to get onto your phone provider and you may even have to go to to the lens of changing your number which is none of us want want to do but just keep an eye on it but that's what it is it's caller ID spoofing and it's been doing the rounds for a couple of years now again at at this stage and I can still see um, so keep an eye on it just to see if uh, you may not get any more calls after that Jim as as I say I got it once and I didn't get another call after that somebody else says hi I'd love to get one of those scam calls I'd engage in conversation with them I'd make up numbers as I was going along I'd give them all bunches of numbers made up off the top of my head and see how they get on with those uh, numbers (laughs) just be very careful the guardies say don't engage but yeah I can understand that how you'd feel like you'd love to get involved you'd love to get stuck in particularly when you know it is a scammer on the other end of the phone line keep him on the and of course by keeping him on the line for as long as possible you're stopping somebody else being scammed Michael is back on to some Castletown Bear who was pointing out about the Intoxicating Liquor Act and I was saying what about car parks and that many of the publicans got money and got investment from the government in order to extend to put outdoor seating areas in car parks uh, Michael says your car park is not covered for the sale of alcohol you'd have to go to the courts for an exemption uh, which you may be temporarily granted if there are no objections. Now it does look like we're, we're going on there. Gardaí are going to be using their discretion we are tomorrow by the way going to be speaking with the Vintners to see if any more breaks about this particular story as to what is going to happen because you know people are saying we can't do indoor dining until July at least let us have and on a beautiful day like today what a gorgeous day to be sitting out having lunch and a nice glass of wine wouldn't I just love it. Hi Patricia the Thanks for that, Michael. The inside dining, is that definitely opening up next uh, month? 
We're hopeful that it's going to open up on the 5th of July. It has to be officially signed off on. We were told Neffert will make their recommendation to government. The government sub- subcommittee would meet. Then they'll go to the Cabinet and then the gov- Cabinet will sign, sign off on it. As of now, it's looking good with the way the numbers are going. But if, God forbid, something happened with, say, the Delta strain and the numbers went up, then I think it would be a different thing. But as of now, we're on target for indoor dining to open up on the 5th of July. And I, do, I don't know the answer to this, but this texter also wants to know how the tickets are going for the inter-county games. How are they going to be managed? If somebody from the GAA can let us know how the inter-county games, how are they going to be managed? I'm assuming the listener is texting from, is asking that you want to attend. I know there will be very uh, limited numbers, so I, I don't know the answer. If, if somebody from the GAA is listening, they might be able to give us the information, please. On the programme last night on Sof- Sophie Tuscan de Plantier, Murder at the Cottage, answers, Trish, I watched the two episodes of Murder at the Cottage. I found it so sad for the family. It's awful that so many mistakes have been made. Jim Sheridan has done a great job with this series. I really hope and pray that one day the murderer will be caught and will be caught soon and so say all of uh, us. 1850 Hi Patricia, I wonder could you get on to one of our local TDs and get the answer to my question please. Leo was on over the weekend about all of us going back to work in our offices. Yeah, and he's suggesting we could be back in the, people could be back in the offices as early as uh, August. Uh, why Therefore, if that is the case, why are they not back in Dáil Éireann? God knows they're posting enough selfies getting their vaccines. There's obviously no excuse for them now if they're fully vaccinated. Uh, I was talking with Bernie because I've asked Bernie to put a, a call through or send an email off to the Taoiseach's office to ask what are the plans for going back to Dáil Éireann because they're still in the convention centre and as somebody pointed out a couple of weeks ago it is costing a small fortune to rent out the convention centre every week for the Dáil sittings. They'll be due to go on summer holiday. Won't the Dáil go into recess soon enough? So maybe they're going to wait until they come back from recess but we've sent an email off to the Taoiseach's office just to see can we get clarity on it and I was making the point to Bernie you know seeing as this texture is right lots of them have had their vaccines but Bernie made a good point and said yeah but lots of those lots of those politicians including our own Taoiseach would be in the 60 to 69 year old age group and they would have had their first vaccine but they like so many people in their 60s what is it they reckon 450,000 people who are waiting on a second jab of AstraZeneca so it's unfair to say that they are fully vaccinated because many of them are not. 1850 333 103 Hi Patricia there was a lady on National Radio this morning a legal expert who said there is no breach of the liquor licensing laws consuming a alcohol outside a licensed premises once it is purchased in the premises the only problem arises with local council rules. I'm surprised that the Minister and the Commissioner did not know that. Well that's what the Gardaí said that while the liquor law says you you shouldn't be drinking on the on the street, you should be drinking inside uh, and outside your street areas, not covered under the law. But they did say that the that it, there's different legal situations depending on what the bylaws are and the bylaws are in each, in each individual local authority area and those bylaws differ from local authority area to local authority area so it's an absolute nightmare so it's just a crazy situation you, there isn't one law is going to suit at all because of the bylaws and John says the Gardaí saying that they will or the Minister saying that the Gardaí will use their discretion it's not using their discretion it's turning a blind eye when it will suit says 
John. 1850 3323103 It'll be on next Friday at Formoy Golf Club. Teams of three, it's a champagne scramble. For bookings, please contact Don at 086-803-4771 or Paldrick at 087-3391212. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. And you can start texting and WhatsApping for our free Munch Monday. Huge response again. And our voucher, our giveaway voucher today is for the Ariel House Hotel in Balancholic. Finish the food combination, brownie and ice cream. Some people went for cream as well, but ice cream was the answer we were looking for today. And our winner is Mary Ann... Cochlin or Colin in Garrettstown. Congratulations to you, Marianne Cochlin or Colin in Garrettstown has won for herself a voucher for the Ariel House Hotel in Ballincolly. Congratulations to you, Marianne. Now, last week we were reporting on the National Parks and Wildlife Service who had killed six of the seven wild boars recently found in North Kerry. This move has led to criticism from environmentalists and animal rights campaigners um, as the boars are native to Ireland. Joining me is John Carmody of the group Aaron. Animal Rights Action Network. Good afternoon to you, John. Uh, Patricia, as always, thanks for, for having me. Well, you're very welcomed. Firstly, do we know, has there been any sightings of the now lone wild boar? Well, it's a good question, and I fear we probably won't have the answer to that. I was down in the kingdom um, myself over the weekend trying to get that answer, Patricia. Uh, but the reality is, is that we haven't heard what's going on or what's after happening to him or her, actually. Um so, and I, I, my fear is that probably we won't at this stage find out what's after happening uh, to the the boar uh, because there has been so much kind of outcry and uproar actually from people who kind of heard about the story and read about the story and in some way or another connected with the poor plight of this animal. So, yeah. So, are you are you guessing that if the boar is found and euthanized, we'll never hear? Is that what you're suggesting? <laughs> Well, I, I think that is the case. That's the call that was put out for people to report this animal. Uh, and I, I think the the ultimate goal was here was to to kill the animal, actually. And that's, that's the word I'm going to use, as a matter of fact, because that's that's really what it was. I mean, this story broke last week, and we, we heard about a family of seven, actually. And there was the man and dad, and obviously the, the remaining piglets. Uh, there were six of them, like you said, taken out, and there was one left on the run. And I think it was just, you know... Good that campaigners and environmentalists come in on top of this story um, to try to speak out for the for the other poor animal that we could have at least worked together um, with ourselves and probably the National Parks and Wildlife Service to see if we can come up with a proper plan to to maybe rehome the animal. Or yeah, I saw I saw you last week uh, say that killing wildlife continues to be the lazy solution. What do you believe should have been done with this family of wild pigs? 
Well, I, you know, Patricia, I think it is, as a matter of fact. I haven't got all the answers. I really don't. And, and I think it's important for your listeners to know that as well. But when I've been working on these stories for, for many years, I've heard about apparent problematic wildlife in Phoenix Park in Dublin, the, the beautiful mountains of Killarney, where there's apparent problems with deer or with seals or all these other animals. And it seems to be the only um, solution is to kill these animals lethally without sitting down, working together and trying to come up with solutions to to deal with the problems. So my, my answer would be to work with like local wildlife people to see if we can get the animal into sanctuary. And yes, I heard concerns about the apparent the problems of possible contaminating other pigs that might be in the area from factories who have them. Uh, if that was the case, and I don't know about that, I tend to question all these excuses that are given at this stage, to be quite frank with you. And if that is the case, then I believe that well, there are still certain parts of Kent in the UK who have wild boar. Uh, and could we send the animal over there? Could we put the mm. animal into a sanctuary? I tell you, the, um, one, the one thing that I sort of took offence to was it's been listed as an invasive species. I mean, were they not? They were once native. How how does a native animal somehow get listed as an invasive species? Well, that's the thing, and that's what people were talking about over the weekend as well. And even the Queen of Ireland came out in support of the wild boar. Um, Miss Panty there in Dublin, or Rory O'Neill, uh, came out in support over the weekend. And he himself said that, you know, this animal is indeed native to Ireland. But here it goes. I mean, and as I've been saying to the press last week, I mean, we really and truly are the biggest bullies when it comes down to situations like this. Um, and the minute we hear problems, Patricia, of, of animals, the problematic um, wildlife, the only thing we can ever come up with the only solution is to, to kill these animals and you know they have every right to be in this world as much as myself and yourself and they're just trying to get by and you could see those pictures over the weekend of the, the little family when, when they were together at least um, just doing their thing you know I saw some video footage of people who seem to have got very close they seemed very placid and very tame I think you know the notion of a wild boar conjures up all kinds of things of this mad wild animal charging at you but they seem very placid and I'm glad you brought up that point because as I was saying as well it's like is it, this is not the wild boar we get on where they're coming to get us. They're going to take our cars. They're going to take our houses. They're going to ransack our backyards and our front gardens. They're not, as a matter of fact. They're like our dog or their cat. Um, they come from the same family of pigs, actually. And I think what most listeners may not know, they're probably sitting at the breakfast table right now having their breakfast. Um, our pigs are very clean. You know, they, 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 they don't sweat. Um, they're smarter than dogs. Uh, they love belly rubs. Um, to get, they're able to play little games. Um, scientists have shown them in these environments with little pains and stuff like that. Um, they can dream, believe it or not, and they have fantastic memories as well, apparently. So there is no difference in, in the dog or a cat or a pig or a cow or a sheep, as a matter of fact, but it's just how we view them, I think, okay. is the problem. And if they are causing a problem and they are presenting some kind of a danger to a local area, you say, well, let's come up with an alternative solution to putting them down. Rehome them somewhere else. Pretty much. And isn't that a kinder thing to yeah, do? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It, it really, and it doesn't cost very much. And it just costs a little bit more patience, as a matter of fact. Uh, we can't continue on um, going at wildlife. And for every time we, we draw blood from these defenceless creatures, what does it say about us as as a society? You know, um, we've been doing that for for 
the 50s and 60s and 70s and the 80s, we've been killing these animals and ransacking their environments. And, and we they blame were, them every time. They were yeah. hunted out of existence in this country, weren't they? Well, pretty much. We're yeah. doing what we do best, right? And we don't know how this little herd started. There's, again, there's reports, I, I, I never like to speculate as a matter of fact, but apparently they, they came from someone who was actually rearing them. So they seem to be, they had they some escaped. sort of interaction with humans as well. And they probably did escape or where they left go was another thing. I don't know. Okay, they, and they the interaction with humans would, would explain, certainly the video footage I saw, they just kind of walked on by. They didn't seem to put in or out uh, with the humans. And uh, you, you, won't be, you won't be happy to hear this, but a listener said, hi Patricia, I was on Radio Kerry yesterday that the fine, the last boar was caught and disposed of. So disposed of means he's gone. Yeah, All right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, John. Listen, thank you for but that. Trisha, can I just take thank you for your time over the years and for your interest in all these issues that people want to hear about. So it's always just nice to catch up. And well, thanks a million. You look after it. yourself. Take care. Take bye, care. Bye. bye bye. Bye bye. John Carmody of Aaron, who's the Animal Rights Action Network, very very much against the killing now of we know the seven. Thank you to that listener. I wasn't aware that the last one had been caught. I was trying to find out about it over the weekend. Who went? Uh, were found and. Uh, disposed of, killed in, uh, in Kerry. 1850-333-103. Bernie's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp as 0862-103-103. Let's turn our attention to Annalise Drissel, who'll join us after the break. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And let's go to the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic, where we're joined by Annalise Drissel of the healthhubstore.com. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon. And you are very welcome. Let's get straight into uh, questions. Uh, Kate in Glanmire has high cholesterol. She wants to know what's the best oil that she should be using when she's cooking? Okay, so um, generally, and this applies to everybody really, Patricia, you never cook with um, unsaturated fat. So anything like linseed or sunflower seed, uh, these all become very badly damaged with high temperatures. So they should never be used for frying or for roasting or anything like that. So you're much better off with a stable oil like rapeseed oil, coconut oil. Olive oil is good as well. If I'm frying something, I use a little bit of butter with olive oil to stop it burning too badly. And then if I was roasting a chicken or something that I needed to um, cover with a bit of oil, I usually use maybe olive oil or rapeseed oil. Um, and those oils, while they are saturated and not that we always think saturated fat bad for cholesterol, they're actually far more stable in terms of heat, so they don't become damaged. Those damaged fats are called trans fats, and they're very, very, very bad for cholesterol and health, heart health. So if you see trans fats written on any um, food item as well, just don't eat it. It's, it's as bad, they reckon it's as bad as smoking for heart health. Wow. Trans wow. Fats, yeah. Okay, Mary in Charleville has hip pain. Now, six years ago, she did have a hip replacement, but she says she still is in pain. What would Annalise recommend for the pain? She's currently taking Salpidol from her doctor, but obviously wants to get away from all the painkillers. Is there a natural thing yeah, she could take? To be honest, Patricia, natural painkillers really aren't as effective as, like, I mean, tramadol would knock you out. So if that's not even effective, I'd say the pain is quite severe. The natural remedy would be really to work as an anti-inflammatory. Now, I get great feedback on um, certain things, like actually this morning, one of my customers told me she's managed to come off the trek state for rheumatoid arthritis using a combination of turmeric and devil's claw and she's changed her diet as well. So either of those would be very powerful natural anti-inflammatories and they do work at the level to kind of restore health to the area. But after a hip 
replacement there's probably a lot of damaged tissue as well the muscles are probably quite weak because you haven't been using the hip for a while so I would say maybe go for a bit of physio and um, you know get exercise to increase the muscle strength and in the meantime something like the Pernaton 40 it's spelled P-E-R-N-A-T-O-N 40 F-O-R-T-E it's a kind of a rub-in gel and again it's not going to really do anything in terms of healing but just for relief it heats up and gets right into sort of the deep muscle and provides a lovely warming heat so that might give some temporary relief Okay question for Annalise please I am gluten intolerant and I'm wondering is there anything I can take to help me with gluten foods because I'm finding that the gluten free range of foods are quite expensive thanking you that's from Hannah Okay, so there is an enzyme that you can take called um, Gluten Shield. Uh, it's made by an Irish company. Uh, most health shops should have it. And this is kind of really designed for people who are sensitive to gluten and then they're maybe going somewhere where they're maybe not sure that there might be a little bit of cross-contamination or gluten in it. So that gluten enzyme will help break down gluten more efficiently so it can make it more tolerant for you. And uh, we've all tried them here in the shop and they definitely work well. Why are gluten, why is gluten-free food more expensive, by the way? I think it's just a matter of they can make it more expensive, Patricia. <laughs> so it's, re- and actually an awful lot of gluten-free food as well, Patricia, is really unhealthy. Um, I find as well, for a lot of people who are gluten intolerant, they might also be yeast intolerant. So the gluten-free breads are packed with yeast mm. um, and people can bloat hugely from those as well. Uh, you can make your own gluten-free bread with oats. Like if you look up a good oat bread recipe online, you can make a delicious gluten-free and they are, bread. And they are gorgeous. They're absolutely and yeah. so healthy. And the oats fantastic for your heart health. Um, they're full of basic gluten. They're great for immune system. So, um, and oats are naturally gluten-free, but if you're highly sensitive, if you're a really, really severe celiac, you will need to get the gluten-free oats. But again, they're not that much more expensive. Yeah, and they, I think, I mean, while they are more expensive, they've certainly come down in price from, say, a number of years ago. I used to feel so sorry for anyone who was celiac. I remember you used to have to go to the chemist. I had a friend of mine who was celiac, and there was limited in the range of what you could get. Whereas now all the supermarkets sell us. They they, do, absolutely. And also, they used to taste vile. They did, yeah gluten-free pizza braces, bases and loads of cakes and biscuits and soups. Yeah. And, I mean, the great thing now as well is that it's listed as an allergen. So anytime you pick up a food item, You'll it's see it. highlighted yeah. bold. But you shop around because all the supermarkets certainly are selling it. You know, you might be able to get an unaware Hannah is shopping. You might be able to get some of the products uh, a little bit cheaper. And then Sheila says, question for Annalise, is there a natural product that could dull the appetite and help you lose weight? God wish that there was, Sheila. Yeah, we'd be millionaires, Patricia. Now, we did have this question about three months ago and I mentioned a supplement that I had taken in January when I was doing an ultra cleanse kind of for two weeks called Viridian NAC+. And I found, I took it first thing in the morning and I found it really helps with my appetite and it really helps with sugar cravings. And a couple of your listeners rang in saying that they had tried it and they found it great and I've sold a huge amount of it in the shop since then and feedback is great. So I would recommend the Viridian NAC+. It's um, N-acetylcysteine and this particular one, the plus one, has a few extras in there like cinnamon and chromium for sugar cravings. The other thing I find great as well, Patricia, is I find konjac is really good. It's like a fibre that when you take it, it swells up in your stomach and provides a feeling of fullness. So you can buy that as a supplement as well. It's either konjac or glucomannan is another one. And really, they're really safe with all your medications and everything. They basically literally are a fibre 
that kind of swell up with water if you drink, take a couple of capsules, drink a glass of water and it gives you a feeling of fullness. And I think the other one when you say there take a couple of glasses of water I often find sometimes when I'm feeling hungry I realise it's not actually hunger it's I'm thirsty and if I have, a, have you know a, a glass of water that really intense hunger feeling can pass. Absolutely Patricia a lot of the time it's dehydration and actually speaking of water I actually do use a doTERRA oil now doTERRA is a brand and actually they've set up now in Blarney they're an American company but they've come they've got a big um, uh, office and lab over in Blarney and they provide beautiful oils now they're a little bit more expensive but they are really really pure and they do one the doTERRA slim and sassy it's called and it is a combination of things like grapefruit and lemon and cinnamon and I put a couple of drops of that into my water and that definitely helps with appetite cravings as well. Okay, well done. Okay, Gretchen, I was very sick last week with an infection and ended up having to get antibiotics for my doctor. Now, much better now. The infection has passed, but I'm left feeling very tired and sort of very weak. What would Annalise recommend as a kind of a pick-me-up following an infection and an antibiotic? Okay, so I think the best thing is the, what they, we always recommend, the source of life gold. Um, it's got a huge amount of things in there. It's, you can get it in liquid and in tablets, but actually the liquid is far superior. There's also a little bit of ginseng in there, and that herb will give you an immediate pickup of energy. But there's a lot in there to support your immune system, all the vitamins and minerals in there to give you good nourishment. There's mushroom extract in there as well for your immune system. So it's a fantastic tonic. I really recommend it as a tonic as opposed to a multivitamin which really is just a vitamin and mineral combination. This is really a tonic. And if you feel that you're very, very low, add the olive leaf extract to it as well because I find that's a wonderful natural antiviral and it really just does help get the, help the body to get rid of the last remnants of the virus. And while the source of life gold, the liquid one, that's the one I've used in the past, it looks disgusting when you pour it out because it's a dark green colour, but it tastes fine. It's okay, but yeah, I can't yeah. tell you it's lovely. No, it's and not lovely, but it's okay. It's, it just yeah. looks worse. I think it looks worse than it tastes. Well, it's just, you know it's doing you good anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That, I think the green colour alone as well makes you, all oh, this stuff is good. Exactly. Uh, could you ask Annalise, please, any cure for restless legs? So again, this is another one. If you could solve this, you'd have you'd be a millionaire. It's a really big problem and there's, no, there's a number of reasons they could be restless. The first thing is to rule out iron deficiency because that heavy restless leg feeling is often indicative of a deficiency of iron or B12. So it's difficult at the moment getting your bloods checked. So you might just want to take a very good iron and B12 supplement. Make sure you get a gentle iron because a lot of them are very um, rough on the system. So I love the one here, like the Viridian actually do a very gentle iron with B12 in it. So you get both of them in the one. So that would be the first thing. The second thing I recommend is magnesium. Magnesium is great for kind of restless muscles. You can either buy it as a gel or you can buy it as um, as a capsule. I think if your legs are very bad, it's possibly better to take it as a capsule and go for a nice high dose. You're looking for a magnesium citrate because that's well absorbed. Again, a lot of magnesiums can act as a laxative. And the Nutri Advanced do a wonderful product called um, Muscle Ease. So it's by a company called Nutri Advanced muscle ease and that is specifically designed for kind of sore tired restless ticky muscles so you could try that and then the very last thing i'd recommend if none of those work is maybe 
quinine, which you get in tonic water. So buy a good quality bottle of tonic water. You need to read the ingredients and make sure it's not flavouring, that it is actually quinine they use. Okay, hi. Uh, Any natural alternatives for knee pain? I did a lot of sports in my 20s, 30s and 40s. I still walk daily, but I'm in my 50s now and I'm noticing knee pain. Is that just literally wear and tear with age? I'd say completely wear and tear, especially because of having done an awful lot of sport. So I would go down the road of a joint supplement that has a natural anti-inflammatory in there and something that helps sustain and build cartilage. And we used to recommend a lot the Solgar 7, but it's been very hard to get that because of Brexit. So instead, I'm recommending the, uh, by an Irish company, Gal Vitamins, G-A-L Vitamins, and it's called USC Cartilage. And it's a combination of cartilage for the joints and uh, turmeric extract. And I'm getting amazing feedback on it, Patricia. People coming in after two weeks um, with saying that they're they're already noticing a benefit. So that's the Gal Vitamins one. The other one that's quite a nice one too is the uh, Revive Active. Again, another Irish company. It's great. We're seeing lots of good Irish companies pop up now. Um, they do a joint active. Now, this is a great one if it's osteoarthritis, if the bone has been affected as well, because there's collagen in there, which is brilliant for joints, but there's also vitamin D, boron, vitamin C, magnesium, all the things that you need to build healthy bone as well. So that's another good one, revive joint. Okay, Maria in Mill Street, a natural cure for constipation, please. So, Patricia, if you've lots of fibre in your diet and if you haven't recently had an antibiotic and you drink plenty of water and get a bit of exercise, you should not be constipated. So often trying to identify the underlying issue is the key and it could be certain foods that you're eating cause constipation. When I do the food intolerance test, it's mostly for people who've got IBS constipation and not diarrhea. And the ones that come up the most are egg, dairy and probably gluten comes up or wheat maybe comes up a bit. So take a look at those foods and see if cutting those out would benefit. And then natural um, remedies. Um, there's a great uh, natural laxative called, it's by Aloe Pura and it's called Aloe Complex. That's a really nice natural gentle laxative. You could also try Aloe Vera Juice. That's another good um, natural, very gentle laxative. Um, sometimes taking a probiotic can help. So if you take a probiotic with a prebiotic that feeds the good bacteria, that can help restore the health of the gut. And I know, um, I like the Terra Nova one. They have one with both the pre and the probiotic. But also OptiBac do one, which has got a little bit of psyllium in there. Um, And it is called um, Bifidobacteria and Fibre. So that contains psyllium fiber, which is a very good natural soluble fiber. If anyone has ever used it, if you put it into water, you'll see it goes into a kind of a gloopy gel. Yeah, yeah. But that's what you want for um, a laxative, Patricia, because you want it to soften the stool and help it slide out. So you could add a tablespoon of that onto your breakfast cereal in the morning. Apologies to anybody having their lunch. And Mary oh. in, in Brandon uh, finding one, her feet and ankles are swelling. It's at night time when they become quite painful. What could be causing it and what would you suggest? Okay, so swollen ankles, especially if you've spent your your, your um, day on your feet, Patricia, and during hot weather, it's very common as well. A lot of people would experience it after a flight. And really what's happening there um, is that you're retaining water around the ankles. It's a hard enough one to get a handle on. There's a couple of things that can help. Um, there is a good, very good tea by a company called Heath & Heather, and it's dandelion burdock um, tea and that is good you can also buy that as a supplement 
by Viridian. So dandelion and burdock are great for the kidneys and the livers and the lymph and they help your body to drain fluid. Magnesium gel can be very good to sort of rub in, especially if you keep the gel in the fridge. It's lovely and cooling. And the magnesium sinking in can help, you know, the cells take the water back in and try and return the water to the lymph and get rid of it out of the system. And then the last thing I'd say is maybe support your kidneys because if your kidneys aren't getting rid of water properly, um, that could be another issue. So there is a celery seed complex that's very good for that as well. It's by a company called Nature's Aid Celery Seed Complex. Okay, that's where we leave it. Listen, have a great week and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks Thanks for that, Annalise. Annalise Drussell of the healthhubstore.com. Go on to her um, site uh, she'll have all the information that she mentioned today as heard on the radio you can see it there now before we go very quickly we mentioned about the wild boar somebody wants to know West Cork listener says I didn't catch why the wild boar was slaughtered haven't seen the story about it disgraceful in this day and age that people can do that shame on them well they're deemed wild boar are deemed unfortunately an invasive species even though they were once native to our shores but they're deemed an invasive uh, species so they were all uh, humanely disposed of and Shane McAuliffe who was chairman of of the Animal Health in Kerry IFA and Secretary of the Irish Pig Health Society and National Pig Health Council has texted the programme. He says the remaining boar that was the one was euthanised on Friday and was taken to a regional vet lab in uh, Cork. So that's confirming what somebody had heard. I think it was on uh, Radio Kerry that that final boar was caught and killed on Friday. Somebody says I found an iPad on the Rathbury Milltown Road outside the church on last Saturday. The owner can have same by calling 087 one two one four four zero six. Did you lose an iPad on the Rathbury Milltown Road? Somebody looking after it for you and would be only too happy to give it back to you. I'm just trying to see if I wrapped up on everything that has come into the programme. There was one I wanted to very quickly get to Mary in Dumanway. Uh, was this morning pricing hotels for a staycation? She says the prices are outrageous. A family of four. She wants to go away for two nights and she's been charged over one thousand euro. How can we support Irish businesses at this rate? It's gone worse than it was during the Celtic Tiger years. That's where I leave it for today. My thanks to Bernie Murphy uh, for producing the programme and we're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 until I'm Patricia Mester. Very good afternoon. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.